Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Kingdom Rock Radio. Now, here's a sample of today's program. Because Jesus rose, you will rise. Hallelujah. This thing is not over. It's not over. They may have left you for dead. They may have told you to get out. They, they, but they don't understand or realize that you are the best thing that they ever had. Well, praise the Lord, saints of God. Praise the Lord. Hello, this is Pastor Mark Stroud, and I thank you once again for joining me for another episode of Kingdom Rock Radio. Well, on today's broadcast, we're going to continue in the series entitled Pursue, Overtake, and Recover All. This would be part number three. And today's subtitle is Left for Dead. Have you ever felt that you've been left for dead, just discarded, thrown away, that you have lost your usefulness to someone? And they have just cast you aside. Well, I have some good news for you. Jesus has the power of resurrection and you can be fully recovered and find your true purpose and destiny in Christ Jesus. So today I'm so grateful that you decided to join us. You're going to be richly blessed. Don't forget to join us on our website 24 hours a day at www.kingdomrock.org. Become our friend on Facebook, subscribe to our YouTube page, and also subscribe to our Instagram page. I believe that you will be richly blessed. All right, without any further ado, here comes the message entitled, Left for Dead, which is part three of the series entitled, Pursue, Overtake, and Recover All, right here on Kingdom Rock Radio. Let your heart say amen. Amen. Well, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of... 1 Samuel, somebody knows it, 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. You can keep your Bible tabs right there for at least the next couple of weeks, possibly. Well, let me take that back. I have no idea. But at least right now, you can keep your finger there in 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. Uh, We are in the third part of the series called uh, Pursue, Overtake, and Recover All which is also the theme that the Lord has given us for this year. We've seen a great number of things while we're in this series, a great number of things. And I have drawn you a little map on the board that you'll uh, see later or that you see before you. It starts off, as a matter of fact, we can go ahead. Let's go ahead and read. I'll go ahead and read verses uh, 1 through 10 and then we'll go on a little bit further today. I will be doing just a little bit of recapping to help bring you up to speed before we go further today. Are you ready to go with me? All right. Um, 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter, verse number 1 through 10. This is how it reads out of the King James Version. It reads like this. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day, that that the Amalekites had invaded the south, and Ziglag and smitten Ziglag, and burned it with fire, and had taken the women captive uh, that were therein. They, they slew not any, neither great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive, um, Ahinoam, uh, the Jezreelite, and Abigail, the the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David uh, was greatly distressed 
For the people spake of stoning him, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David did what? Encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He encouraged himself. He was effectively here all alone. <laughs> I mean, telling you, everybody in the village, everybody that was there, the men were all uh, threatening to kill him, to stone him. He was alone. And what did David do? He began to encourage himself. He began to, I believe, to encourage himself by speaking God's promises to himself, picking his own self up, letting him know, letting, letting himself know this is not the end. God is still with me. So after he encourages himself, and this is, of course, this is one big thing we got to see today. If you don't see anything else in the series, notice that when you're at the point of aloneness, encourage yourself in the Lord. Encourage yourself in the Lord. And this also talks about having words stored up, having a word of God stored up in your heart, because you can't encourage yourself with something that you don't have. Storing up a praise, storing up a song. Amen. David was a psalmist. So I'm sure he began to also to encourage himself in song, just singing of the goodness of the Lord. All right. Uh, one person would say, um, you'll never know. Um, well, let me say it this way. Don't consider the um, the bigness of your problem, but consider the bigness of your God. Amen. Consider how big he is. Does that make sense to you? Let's go on a little bit further. And David said to uh, Abathar, the priest, uh, Ahinoam's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar uh, brought hither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, and thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Now, we've said here at this point, it should be second nature. Your family's in trouble. This situation is valid. Go and go. Go ahead and take care of the thing. But what did David do? He stopped and he acknowledged God before he went forth, which was David's pattern to always acknowledge God. There was an emergency, but he didn't just jump on it. He stopped and acknowledged God. What should I do? Shall I pursue because really, understand, we are just one person. You are just one person. It could be that God already has somebody else handling it. And then here you go, running all the way down, using your gas money, using your time, using your money, your resources, trying to conquer something that's already been done. That's already been handled. Or maybe like the prodigal son, they've already come to themselves. God has already dealt with them. But then here we go, we go running down, and you just mess the whole thing up. So David said, hey, well, this is what I got to do first. After he encouraged himself, he said, let me ask of God, what do you want me to do? And in this case, God said, go ahead, pursue, overtake. And he said, without fail, you will recover all. Without fail, you will recover all. In other words, you can't lose. You can't lose. All right. So as we go on and... Um, and David uh, inquired, like verse 8 again, and David inquired uh, at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, that is God, as in him, pursue, 
uh, for thou shalt surely overtake them and shall rather and without fail recover all. Verse nine. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him and came to the brook Bezor, where those that uh, were left behind stayed. Now we served the, we said the word stayed here means to make a stand in the Hebrew text. It means to make a stand, abide right here. It says, but David pursued he and the 400 men uh, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bezor. We're going to stop there just for a moment. Uh, Now understand something. Understand something. As we're in this series, the purpose of this series, one of the purposes is to recover the family. Recovery of the family. This is the theme of the year, recovery of the family, recovery of everything that has been stolen from you, everything that's been taken from you, uh, including your time. God can redeem the time. He can redeem the years. He can restore you, bring you great restoration. So this is for us the year of recovery, the year of recovery. So God says, pursue, overtake and recover all. But in order for us to recover all, we've got to ask three questions. Three questions. One, you've got to ask, what has been taken? What has been taken? How will you recover something when you don't know what has been taken or what has been lost? You must identify what has been taken from you. Whether it's time, money, whether it's relationship, whether it is joy, you know, whatever it is, what has been taken? You must identify what has been taken before you can recover. You also need... um, We also need to ask the question, uh, what do you need uh, to recover? Some things that have been taken, you don't want it back. Sometimes God will do you a favor by letting some things or some folk go out of your life. And you don't want to bring some stuff back in your life. So you got to first understand and first ask the question, what has been taken? And two, what do I need to recover? Hallelujah. And the third thing is, are you willing to pay the price of recovery? Are you willing to pay the price of recovery? Because there is a price. You will recover it without fail. That is, your labor will not be in vain. As you go, it won't be in vain. You'll get it. But are you willing to pay the price to recover it? There was always a price. Yes, God. Yes, you have now received the word from the Lord. The Lord said, you will receive this back. Don't worry about it. Without fail, you will receive this. Hallelujah. This is the year for great fruit, great advancement, great promotion. Uh, This is the year that we will uh, see fruit for our labor. Hallelujah. I'm so excited about that. And one of the things that I meant to mention a moment ago, and as far as our testimony is concerned, is that this year the Lord has really transformed me uh, from that of a lamb into a lion. And I'm thankful for that. And I pray he has you as well. Some things that were very difficult for me before, some are not so difficult now. And I thank God that he's allowed me to finally start uh, my media, media business, thank God. And some of the things that I had been doing before for free, now we're going to get paid for it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. That's all right. That's all right. You understand what I'm saying? It's all right. Praise the Lord. But let's go back in here. So there, I mean, there, there's, there are hidden resources and wealth all around us. But are you willing to pay the price to recover that? 
that thing that was taken from you. All right. Some of us were really just too, too easy going. Uh, we were too laid back and we allowed a lot of stuff just to run all over us. And many times it was just to keep the peace. Or we wanted to be liked, didn't want it, we want to hurt anybody's feelings. And, and so what happened really, we sacrificed ourselves so that they could live, so that they could have life, which is not a bad thing to do because that is what our Savior did. But there is a time to be a lamb and then there is a time to be a lion. There is a time of sacrifice. There, I mean, there's a time for tears and there is a time or a time for sadness and a time for joy. Everything has a season. There's a time for peace, time for war. There's a time for everything. So you have to be in the proper mindset and the proper attitude with the season. We must be in step with the seasons. You understand? All right. There's a time to take it and there's a time to give it. Take that like you want to take it. You understand? There's a time for all. There's a time. There's a time. There's a time. There was a time for the Lord to be crucified, for them to beat on him and whip on him. There was a time for that, but it's not now. There is a time for that. Okay, so there's a time to be lamb and there's a time to be lion, to roar. Praise the Lord. You have to know the times and the seasons. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So let us get back uh, again in the message. Uh, Pursue, overtake, and recover all. This will be part number three, and I'll give you the subtitle in just a few moments. But here again, are you willing to pay the price for that recovery? Okay, if you're not willing to pay the price, don't even start on the journey. Okay, you don't need another disappointment. Okay, you don't need another disappointment. Uh, something else that you started and then, then complete. You don't need that in your life. Anybody hearing me? You don't need that in your life. If you're not willing to go all the way, don't start. That's another prophetic word. If you're not willing to go all the way, don't start it. Because it's simply going to hurt you and those that are around you. Are you hearing? Praise the Lord. We know you can do it. Turn to your name and tell them we know you can do it. But are you supposed to do it? Are you hearing? Amen. There's a difference. There's a difference. So going back into verse number 10 again, it says, so David, uh, he and the 600 men that were with him came to the brook Bezor, uh, where those that were left behind stayed. And we were there on last time. They stayed there at the brook Bezor. Now we said that the brook Bezor meant a torrent bed. That is violent rushing of water. And the word Bezor means cheerful. It means cheerful. That is, uh, cheerful is someone that is noticeably happy or optimistic. Boy, you're really cheerful. Look at you. You are really cheerful. What are you saying to them? Boy, you're really happy. You seem to be happy and very optimistic. Are you hearing? Noticeably happy and optimistic. So here again, uh, but understand this river Bezor is a place of a transition, or it is a test of transition. Because listen, uh, while looking at the face of total loss, that's what they were looking at, David and 600 men, were looking at this face of total loss. They just lost their, 
their wives, their uh, children, and, uh, and their, their property just burned up with fire. They're looking at the face of total loss, or while looking in the face of total loss, it can, it can be difficult to make the transition to optimism. When you're staring at something that's just gone, when your dreams have been destroyed, it's kind of hard to make the transition to be optimistic. You understand? Bezor was a place of transition. Sometimes it is hard to believe that things are about to change for the better. And as human beings, it's easier for us to believe the negative than it is to believe the positive. It is so much easier. If someone is late, it's easier for you to believe that something bad has happened than it is to believe, oh, they just stopped and watched a movie or something. Or they just caught up in conversation with somebody. Oh, they're not answering their cell phone. Oh, something happened. Maybe they didn't charge their cell phone. You understand? It's easier for us as human beings in the fallen condition to believe the negative than it is the positive. Okay? So here again, we're standing here at the River Bezor. We're standing there uh, at the place of transition, cheerfulness. One side, there's great distress. And remember, they wept and they cried until they had no more power to weep. They were all cried out. I'm not going to sing it again this week. They were all cried out. Over you. I couldn't help myself. They couldn't cry anymore. Okay, so that was on one side of the river of the uh, Brook Bezor. And so now it's time for them to make a transition. So but it was difficult for them to move from uh, depression to cheerfulness. Difficult to move from doubt to optimism. Difficult to move from guilt uh, to forgiveness or releasing a burden. They didn't have the strength. These 200 men did not have the strength to trust again in the face of disappointment. The stress alone was too great for them. It was too great for them. It takes something to make that transition mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. After you've been put down for so long, after, you, after all your dreams have been dashed, the things you've hoped, been hoping for, it seems like nothing is working out. It takes something to put on that smile again, that real smile, not that fake stuff. I'm not telling you to put on a happy face. Ba 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 da. Ba da 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 da. Rain sunshine all over the place. And put on a happy face. All right, good choir. I don't know the song. It just it just came up to me. It just came up. But ha- but anyway, it takes something to make the transition. Uh, from one side of the brook to the other. And so these 200 men could not do that. Remember the, the brook Bezor was also a, uh, it also the running water, the brook also symbolized a washing away, a cleansing, a cleansing or washing away from the past. And it also talked about or symbolizes an inner struggle uh, before the actual outer struggle begins. Because before you cross over that river, you're going to, or that brook, you're going to have to deal with yourself first. And so these 200 men evaluated that they couldn't do it. 
in their own evaluation, they could not make the transition to believe again, to hope again, to love again, to go again. In their own opt, in their own evaluation of self, they couldn't do it. The Bible says that they were faint, meaning that they were exhausted without strength. And they just couldn't do it anymore. They just couldn't take it anymore. And again, that is not a sin. All that means is that you have to have time to recover. You have to give yourself time to recover. And then many times we can be really hard on ourselves when we're not able to go like we want to go. Or when people are poking and prodding at you, you should go, you should go, you should go. But when you give out, you're all give out. It doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you don't care or that you care less. It means that your tank is empty. You can't go any further. You can't do it anymore. It means that something has to change. And if the circumstances don't change, that means that you will have to change. Hallelujah. So in this case, these 200 men, they had to remain there. They had to remain there until they were fully charged, until David came back. Now, hear, hear this. As a general rule, you can't fight the enemy effectively when you're too tired. You can't fight him effectively when you're too tired. You can't fight him effectively when you're mentally exhausted. You're going to have to steal away. You're going to have to get away so that you can recharge in the presence of the Lord. You have to deal with yourself first before you deal with your enemy. You're going to have to deal with you first before you deal with your enemy. There must be a time of refreshing. There must be a time of renewal. There must be a time of recharging before we can go into the battle with the enemy. And the main reason that many of us have lost so many battles in the past is because we have not had that time away alone to get with God. I mean, like uh, many of us are like the, uh, some of the veterans. God bless them that have come back. They have this post-stress disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder. You've been under the gun so much, so much, so much, so much. And then when something good is about to happen, you attack that too. You run that away because you've been attacked so much. You haven't had the time to rest. And so when something good happens, you attack that, you destroy that, or you'll doubt that and say, hmm, this, uh, this is no good and this is not going to work. But this is a genuine thing from God that he wants to give you to bless you, but we won't receive it because we've never had the time, gotten the time away to rest. Are you hearing me? You got to rest. Turn to your name and tell him you got to rest. You've got to rest. You got to rest. You got to rest. Praise the Lord. Sometimes the Lord will even allow us to, to get a cold or to get a flu so you can finally stay home and in the bed. I didn't say God gave it to you. I said he will allow it. Because sometimes we don't slow down until the body says, lay it down now. Lay it down, brother. Lay it, sister. Lay it down. It's time to get some rest. Y'all ain't talking to me. So again, we said uh, on the last time that one way that we can receive more strength from God, one way that we can recharge is by waiting on the Lord. Isaiah 
Isaiah 40, verse 31 says, But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not uh, be weary. They shall walk and not faint. The word wait there, wait on the Lord, means to serve. Those that serve the Lord, you're going to receive strength back. As you minister to others, as you serve others, in the Lord's name, you will also receive strength. As Kelly said just a moment ago, we also had another example of that as we went to the uh, nursing home and, and visited those there and prayed. Strength was returning to us as we got our head out of our own uh, tiredness and, and all of that. We went on. We crossed the river, Bezor. Praise the Lord. We crossed that river and we saw the power of God revealed. Amen. If you wait until you have the strength to go, you'll never go. If you wait until you have the ability to go, you will never go. Hallelujah. You got to do it right where you are. You got to do it right where you are. If you wait for enough money, say, I'll do it when I get enough money. You'll never do it. And that thing will always hang over your head. Always hang over your head. Whatever it means. Now you got the money. Wow, now it's there. But you never proved yourself in the little. You never proved yourself in the little. Are you hearing? So we got to get charged. So again, David had to go on. He and the 400 other men, he did not have time to wait for these 200 to get recharged, to be refueled because time was of the essence. So they had to move on. And so now here we are at verse number 11. Praise the Lord. Aren't you excited? Aren't you excited? This is some good stuff. Today, we're going to be looking very briefly, uh, verse number 11, 12, 13, and 14, as we continue and as we dive in and receive these precepts, these rich precepts um, or, and principles from the word of God that will aid and assist us in this life. Listen to verse number 11. It says, and they found an Egyptian. Now, who are the they? David and the 400 men, Right. They found the, they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat and they made him uh, drink water. Verse 12. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him for he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said to him, to whom belongest thou? And whence art thou? And he said, I am a young, I am a young man of Egypt, a servant of an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days ago I fell sick. We had, uh, we made an invasion uh, upon the south of the uh, Cherethites and upon the coast, um, which belongeth to Judah and upon the south of Caleb. And we burned Ziglag with fire. Stop there, right there. We saw we want to go right there today because this is so much here. This is powerful. We could probably go about two weeks just on that little bit alone. It is awesome. Stir the soup. Stir the soup. Stir the soup. It is awesome. Are you ready to dive in with me now? This is some good stuff. Now let's go back to verse number 11. There is a whole lot. What I've just read to you, many of this speaks of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
It speaks of his power, his anointing, his authority in our lives as we are going through, as we are uh, going on our way to pursue, overtake, and recover all. Are you ready with me? All right, so let's go. Verse 11. I want you to notice a few key words here that will help bring out the flavor and meaning of it. Let me read again verse number 11. And they found an Egyptian, underline the word Egyptian, uh, in the field, underline the word field, and brought him to David. You can underline the name David. And gave him bread, underline bread, and he did eat, and they made, underline the word made, him drink water. All these are so packed full of nuggets. That is just awesome. So let me go ahead with it. Now understand the symbolism here. There's a quite a number, there's quite a bit of symbolism uh, between verses 11 through 14. Let's look at the symbolism here. So this man said that um, uh, he was found. He said they, the 600, or rather 400, found an Egyptian, an Egyptian that is a man from Egypt. Egypt, uh, in, the, in um, Exodus, the 20th chapter, verse number two, Egypt was known as the house of bondage. So here's a man that is from the house of bondage. Very important that you remember that. Uh, in other words, we know that this man is a servant. We just read there, or he is a bond man. So in effect, here is a man that is in bondage who was from the land of bondage. Are you hearing me? From the land or the house of bondage. All right. So we see that here. Uh, then it says, uh, okay, the man, uh, they found an Egyptian that is a man that was from bondage, in bondage, from bondage, in a field. The word field means the world. The field is the world. In Matthew, the 13th chapter, verse 38, you'll find here that Jesus identifies the field as the world in the parable of the tares. He said the field is the world. So we find here a man that's in bondage from the house of bondage or from, or from the land of bondage. He was found in the field, found in the world, or someone that is bound, found in the world. Sound like somebody who's not saved, doesn't it? Someone bound, found in the world. All right, as we go on a little bit further, he says, and brought him to David. Well, David is a representation of Christ or is a symbol of Christ in the Old Testament, because we know that even from the book of John, John 7, verse 42, that Christ would come from the seed or lineage of David. We understand that from even from Isaiah, the ninth chapter, verse number seven, that the throne of Christ would be established there on from the throne of David. Of David's kingdom, of David's throne, there would be no end. Why? Because Christ would sit on that throne. So here again, these are two examples that will show you that David represents Christ. So we find here again, so they, the 600 men, rather 400 men, found uh, this man that was bound in the world. So this man that was bound in the world was brought to Christ. This is not a stretch. Are you with me? A picture is developing. This man that was bound in the world was brought to Christ. Let's look a little further. And gave him two things. Gave him bread and he did eat. It is not a stretch as well to understand that bread symbolizes Christ. It's Jesus. Jesus is the bread of life that has come down from heaven. He said this in John, the sixth chapter, verse 35, that he is the bread of life. Who is Jesus? He is the word. Understand something. The word is the bread. Okay. The word is the bread. What is the bread? 
It is the word, the word of God. Remember, the bread comes down from heaven. It is the is it is the body of Christ Jesus. He is the word of God made flesh. All right. And he says again, and let me read to you, John, the sixth chapter, verse thirty five. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never, never hunger. And he that believeth on me shall never thirst. He is the bread of life. Jesus is the bread of life. Well, who is Jesus? He is the word of God. We're going to have to eat the word, eat the word. And many times in scripture as well, the word of God is known as bread, known as a roll. Eat the whole roll. So let's go back again. So there's this man that is bound, found in the world. They bring him to Christ, bring him to David, to Christ. And the first thing Christ does is give him bread, bread, give him bread, give him word. First thing that is given to this man that is in bondage, he is given the word. Secondly, it says, it says here, uh, and gave him bread and he did eat. Then it says, and they, what's that word? Made. And they what? Made him drink water. They made him drink water. Now I want you to understand something here. It says they made him uh, to drink water. This Hebrew word uh, called uh, shaka, shaka, not shaka Khan, but <laughs> this Hebrew word shaka uh, denotes process and it also denotes a causative action. In other words, uh, they, gave him to, they gave him to drink, yes, but a correct translation, you'll find this, I believe, in Young's translation, a more, a more correct translation is they caused him to drink or they gave him a cause to drink. In other words, it was easier for him to take the bread. It was more difficult for him to drink of the water. Let's look at the text again. Are you with me? It says here in verse number 11, and they found an Egyptian in the field and brought him to David. And gave him bread and he didn't eat. No problem. And they made him to drink water. Now, naturally, maybe he was just so faint. He, we read that he'd been there without food or water for three days. Just so faint. But he had no problem eating the bread. But he had some difficulty drinking the water. So they had to make him drink. In other words, they caused him to drink. Hold your head up, man. Hold your head up. Hold your head up. Hold your head up. Now, we know the water is always symbolic of the Holy Spirit. Running water symbolizes, in many cases, a washing. But water here symbolizes the Holy Spirit. And uh, John, the seventh chapter, verse 37 uh, through 39, listen how it reads. In that day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. Verse 38, he that believeth on me, as the scripture have said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. But this spake he of the Spirit, uh, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So the Holy Spirit comes, and one of the things that the Holy Spirit does when he comes, he comes to wash, he comes to cleanse. That's one of the things he does, he comes to wash and he comes to cleanse, he comes to reprove. All right, so here again, this water is representing a representation of the Holy Spirit. Now, let's put all this together. I want you to see this. So in short, we see here in verse number 11, we see a man in bondage has been discovered in the world. He is brought to Christ and is given the word, 
and is given also the spirit. He's able to digest the word. And the scripture says that we some receive the word with joy, great joy. You can get some money. Yeah. God said he can prosper you. Yeah. You coming out. Yeah. 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 Receive the word with joy. Money coming. Money coming. Money coming. Yeah. 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 Able to receive that word. Able to digest the word. But he needed assistance in order to receive the spirit. Are you hearing in Acts the 19th chapter, Acts 19, Paul meets some disciples of John and, and he asked them, have you guys received the Holy Spirit? They said, we've not even heard whether there be any Holy Spirit or not. He said, well, how are you baptized? Baptized um, uh, by John unto John's baptism. Uh, John, you know, said that one is coming. But they said, we've not heard of the Holy Spirit. What do you mean? He said they were baptized unto John's baptism. Well, if you were baptized unto John's baptism, then surely you should know that John taught that the Messiah would come and he would baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Amen. So even on John's baptism, someone did not include the word, the name, the person of the Holy Spirit. Amen. At least in their lives or they failed to hear it. And so Paul corrects him, he, let, he leads them uh, and reveals to them who Jesus is. Jesus has come and they receive the Holy Spirit. Understand something. Uh, so isn't that the case? Uh, I mean, it's strange how they receive a word, but they did not receive the spirit. But isn't that the case in some of our churches today? The word is received um, with joy, but they, the talk of the Holy Spirit is controversial in many places. Because when he comes in here again, when he comes in, uh, self would decrease and his presence will increase. When he comes in, uh, sin decreases and holiness increases. When he comes, when we allow him to come in, self decreases and the presence of God increases. Right. Pride decreases and humbleness increases. There is less talk of us and more talk of him so they don't want him to come in so it's easy to receive the word but it's hard to receive that water that holy spirit because when he comes and when you truly allow him to come in when you're truly filled with the spirit of god he will bring change in your life and a lot of folk don't want change because we're so filled with pride. We don't want this to happen. We don't want, oh God, you mean you really ask me to do that? But what if he tells you to do it? Are you hearing me? Oh, now it's just verse 11. Woohoo! Awesome. Awesome. Let's look at one more verse today because we won't be able to get them all. One verse, verse, verse number 12 says, and I'm going to show you how this relates again, how this relates to us today and how it relates, of course, to what was happening here uh, in Scripture, uh, how we can recover all. Now, again, how we can recover all, eat the word, eat the whole word and don't choke on the water. Don't choke on the spirit. Allow others, allow, remember, he was made to drink water. Don't make them cause, don't make them uh, have to make you to drink of the spirit. Open your heart to God. Open your heart to him. He's here to help you because this man was left for dead, which is the title of our uh, subtitle of the day, left for dead. He was left 
for dead. And the enemy used him up and then just threw him off when he could no longer perform his duties, just passed him away, left for dead. You're no longer useful to me, left for dead. No severance package, no thank you, just get off and get away. You're no longer useful for me. And that's what folk would do to you. That's what the world would do. They'd chew you up and spit you out. When you have no more money to buy the drugs, oh, they just put you away. Get on out of here. We only wanted you for your money. Now the money is gone, so you got to go too. When you can no longer fulfill their obligations, fulfill what they want you to do, then the world will throw you away, toss you away. The world is an evil master. Are you hearing? Verse 12, as we begin to close today, are y'all still with me today? Do we need to take a break? Oh, y'all stay with me then. Verse 12. And they gave him a piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of what? Raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water for how long? Three days and three nights. Figs. The word figs or the fruit figs really many times in the Old and New Testament talk about seasons, especially when the Lord Jesus goes to the fig tree and in uh, Martha 11 chapter verse number 13 um, and finds no figs on it because the time of the figs were not, it was not time for the figs. So figs talk about timing and season. So first he fed on the word of God. Then he fed on the spirit. He had to be made to feed on the spirit. They had to help him to receive the spirit, but he did. Secondly, he learned about times and seasons. You have to know what time and season you're in. Now, this man was left half dead, left dead. So how was he revived? One, by receiving the word of God. Two, he began to drink of the spirit. Three, he began to learn about the times and the seasons. And one thing about times and seasons, knowing what time and season you are, should light some uh, that you're in, should light a fire under you. When you know the time that we're living in, that these are the last days, when you understand that tomorrow may come without you, that tomorrow is not promised to any of us. Are you understanding? Antichrist and all that and all the market of beasts, all that, it's just on the horizon. Know the times and the seasons. He received the word of God. He received the spirit of God. And now he understands times and seasons. And it says, so they gave him uh, figs to eat. And then they also gave him, it says, uh, and when they, and when he had, um, rather, and they also gave him a cluster of raisins. Raisins, you know, are dried what? Dried grapes. Grapes make wine. Wine is symbolic of what? The blood of Christ. Okay, we do that with communion, right? You, you receive of the wine, that is the grape juice, that, is, uh, that, that is the, represents the blood of Christ. So he has also received revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for him. So he's also, been, he's also received, uh, either by teaching, received by understanding, uh, the power of the Lord's resurrection, and God's ability and willingness to forgive of all sins. To give you that clean slate. That God will receive you no matter what you've done in your past. 
He's waiting as a loving God, a loving father. So back up again. He's received of the word of God. First thing, he also receives of the spirit. Third, he receives of the timing and seasons. Fourth, he receives revelation, knowledge, or understanding of the power of the blood of Jesus. Because the blood of Jesus gives us access into the most holy place, the presence of God the Father. Without guilt, without shame, without condemnation. He receives this. Now, once he receives this, the Bible is very clear. It says, as a result, it says, and when he had eaten, when he had consumed, when he had taken in these things, these four items, again, the word, the spirit, understanding of the timing of the seasons and understanding the blood of Jesus and how it relates to him. Then the Bible says his spirit came again unto him. His spirit came again to him. The word spirit means, it does mean spirit, but it also means breath. It means mind. Your mind, his mind came again to him. Which gives us an indication that for some point in his life, he was out of his mind. Anybody ever been out of your mind before? You ever been caught up? You couldn't make any rational decisions anymore? So caught up in worry, so caught up in frustration, so caught up in guilt, so caught up in doubt and disappointment, so caught up in other people's words that you didn't think properly. You were out of your mind. You couldn't think right. You made rash decisions, spent too much money. I mean, you went to the wrong places. Just caught up. So, so for a certain point in this man's life, at least for these three days, we understood that he was not in his right mind, as we would say, because his mind, his spirit, breath, his mind returned to him when he first received of the word. Secondly, he received of the spirit. Thirdly, he understood timing and seizing. Fourth, he understood about the blood of Jesus. These, understanding these, will cause a man, fallen man, man in bondage, to receive his spirit again. To receive the right mind again. To receive that right mindset. Get him back on focus, back on track. And so the Bible says again that he received his mind again. So we can be called up. We can be caught up in worries and cares and doubts and fears of what, what, what might happen, what may happen, what should happen. We can get all caught up in all these things. We get caught up. Uh, we can be out of our mind. We can't make right decisions. We can be ruled by our flesh. Ruled by our flesh and we can be driven by the things that we see. And it's a bad day when you are driven by the things that you see. It's a terrible day to understand something. The Bible says very clear that we as believers, we do not walk by sight. We walk by faith. We walk by faith and not by sight. You should not be driven by your bank account, how it looks. You shouldn't be driven about your body, how it feels. That should not drive you. We should only be driven or moved by the word of God. The Bible also says in 2 Corinthians, the fourth chapter, verse 18, listen to this. It says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Take your eyes off of what you see and look at what you don't see. Are you hearing? 
There's more with you than there are against you. And the scripture is very plain there that, that, that the Lord, that greater is he that is within you than he that is in the world. If you get caught up in what you see, caught up in what you have or what you don't have, caught up in what the people are saying, you're going to be out of your mind. And some people quite literally, as they end up in uh, insane asylums or they end up in, in rehabs, they end up in some places, they're just out of their minds. They're out of control. What would put them back? What would regain their mind? Give them the word. Give them the spirit. Let them understand the times and seasons that they're living in and understand about the revelation, the blood of Jesus, how he's able to forgive and willing to forgive and release you from your sin debt and make you welcome in the presence of God. Are you understanding? Oh, our time's about wrapping up today. Our time's about wrapping up today. Let me give you this one last thing here as we go on. We understand also in the verse it says this, verse number 12, and they gave him a piece of fig, rather, they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. And when he had eaten, his spirit came again to him, for he had not, but rather, for he had eaten no bread, nor drunk any water. He didn't have that spiritual diet. For how long? Three days and three nights. Now, if we have any biblical knowledge whatsoever, and if this occurs to you, when you see the term three days or the, or the phrase three days and three nights, it should cause you to think about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, this phrase three days and three nights are only mentioned three times in the Bible. One here in 2 Samuel, first Samuel 30, 30th chapter, as we just read. Also, Jonah. Uh, Jonah, uh, the first chapter, verse number 17, talks about Jonah being in the belly of the fish belly of the great well and also in Matthew the 12th chapter verse number 40 how Jesus gives a witness he says for as Jonah was three days and three nights in the well's belly so shall the son of man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth this assures fallen man that God has the ability to raise him up and that he will also raise him up this assures you as well that your best days are ahead of you. Your blessed days are ahead of you as God raises you up from where you are. That man that is bound is about to be set free. That captive is about to be redeemed and about to be made useful. He's about to change masters, changing from the master of the Malachites who just threw him away, who left him for dead. But now he's about to be restored, brought into the kingdom of God. And Jesus is about to become his master. And he's about to learn what true life really is as God breaks the shackles and the chains off of his life and causes him to be set free. Yes, there is hope in Jesus Christ. There is change in Jesus Christ as God will break the shackles as he will break the chains and loose you and cause you to be a productive citizen in the kingdom of God. The three days and three nights is God's assurance that you will rise again. Hallelujah. Because Jesus rose, you will rise. Hallelujah. This thing is not over. It's not over. They may have left you for dead. They may have told you to get out. They, they, but they don't understand or realize that you are the best thing that they ever had. Yes. 
and that they forfeited their right to receive God's best. This was a blessing. This was a blessing. This man, this Egyptian was left on the side of the road just like trash on the curb. But when David came, he saw his true worth and value. And this man was used by God to help David and the 400 men recover all that God had for them. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. Give the Lord a hand of praise. Hallelujah. 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 You are assured of resurrection power. Say with me, I receive the resurrection. I receive the resurrection. I shall rise. I shall rise. I shall rise. In the name of the Lord, give him another hand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, they thought you were useless. They thought you were dead. They thought you were good for nothing. But they have not seen your true worth or value yet. Hallelujah. They haven't seen your true worth or value. But God has a people. He has a place that they would immediately see who you are. They will cause you to be revived and restored. And come into the knowledge of the greatness of God that he's placed in your life. Hallelujah. Oh, my God. Well, we're not done just yet. I'm out of time, but not out of the word. I look forward, if Lord willing, getting back into this text with you on next week as we continue to pursue, overtake, and recover all. Let's give the Lord another hand. Hallelujah. Thank you, great Holy Spirit. Thank you, great Holy Spirit. Come on, let's thank him. Let's really thank him. Thank you, great Holy Spirit. We stand in awe. We stand in awe. We stand in awe. Oh, Lord God, we stand in awe. You are so very magnificent. You are so, so very magnificent. And I declare that today in Jesus' name. As last week we were right there, we were right there at the River Bazaar. This week we're right here on the side and some have been left for dead somebody's told you that you're useless somebody's told you uh, that there's no more worth or you have no more value for them but the Lord sent me here to tell you that you have more worth and value than you ever dreamed of or even imagined and you're about to be set in place you're being set in place so that you can fulfill your purpose and destiny that the bondage of Egypt is about to be broken. Hallelujah. And you're about to be set free. Hallelujah. God assures you of his power of resurrection, his ability to cause you to rise up once again. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. 
And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose Him as your Lord today. Only He can make a way.